The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome back. Are any of you here first uh, first time? Well, great. Welcome. And um, I think you'll probably catch up with what's going on here. Um, the um, people are still coming in. Anybody want to ask any questions based on what um, I talked about the first week or whether if you tried the meditation at home, if you have any questions or reports about that? So I can get some sense of where you're at with it. I had a minor question and an observation when I was trying at home. Uh, so based on, I was trying to fix a time when to go for a 20-minute session that you had recommended. And uh, it felt like, I yeah, felt a little, like, a little bit closer. Sorry, I felt like the best time would be after work in the evening because you are stressed out and you want to de-stress. Yeah. But unfortunately, that turned out to be the worst one because you have so many things going in your mind. Sure. Um, so, is there something that we should know about time in a day, which is uh, uh, which works better yeah. than the other? Yeah, great. So, what what what's the best time to meditate? In the evening when you're frazzled from work and all the activities or in the early morning when you're before the mind's gotten too active and you can get calm quicker. Um, so I'll, I'll use this as an opportunity to um, point out that when we do this mindfulness practice, uh, you're, you're supposed to become your own teacher. So the way you become your own teacher is through trial and error. So you try for a week, as you did in the evening, then try a week in the early morning and then compare. It's possible a person gets um, more calm and more deep and still in the morning and it carries through the day very nicely. It's possible that uh, a person sits at the end of the day and they're not very calm, but it really helps to kind of empty themselves of all the stuff at work and to understand and see what's going on in some deeper level than they would otherwise about what's going on for them. And they didn't get as calm, but they got, uh, uh, it was more useful. So, we, so it depends what is most useful. So that's, each person is going to be different. Some people it's better in the evening. Some people it's better in the morning. And some people need to sleep, have trouble sleeping, and they find out sleep, meditating in the evening, just their sleep is so much better, even though the meditation is not so deep. So it's so variable from person to person. So trial and error is the way to go. Or, even better, you do both. <laughs> I did that for years, and, uh, and uh, I would meditate when I came back from work, which was about 5.30 or 6 in the evening. And I'd meditate for about 45 minutes, and uh, the first, ha- first 20 minutes, I was always falling asleep. But then after a 20-minute nap, <laughs> 20 minutes of kind of, you know, I, I would suddenly get more awake than had been all day. Something would kind of come alive. And in the last 20 minutes of sitting, I was clear and present in a way that was very satisfying. And so it's kind of like I, I kind of got refreshed or I kind of let go or all this tiredness kind of sloughed off that wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have sloughed off if I had just gone about my regular evening. 
Any other questions while we're waiting for people to come? Just start kind of informally. Yes, can you take the mic maybe? Can you push it to get the green, green, button, green, green light? Hello, there we go. I'm Nick. Uh, very quick question. Maybe you could just spend two minutes explaining what you talked about last week for those of us who weren't yeah. here. Yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. So this is a five-week course in mindfulness meditation. And, um, and mindfulness is a very simple human capacity to pay attention, to be aware of what's happening, to notice what's happening in the present moment. And so it's an hu- ordinary human capacity. It's used all the time. But we want to strengthen that capacity so it becomes stronger and something we carry with us into our life so we have more clarity and more calm as we go about what we're doing. We're less likely to be caught up and, and lost in thought and things like that. And, um, and so it's a, it's a capacity, it's a skill or it's a muscle that can be strengthened by working, doing it. There's many, many ways of, being, of practicing meditation or being mindful. This particular Buddhist uh, style that I teach here is one that is in- inclusive of all human experience. So there's nothing outside of what we can bring our attention to. And, um, and in fact, what we say is that what makes, um, that in Buddhism, what's most sacred <clears throat> is an awareness which uh, has no outside. An awareness which is, all, is capable of including everything within it. It doesn't say no to anything. Our wisdom might say no to some things, but the awareness stays open and receptive. And that, that's something very sacred about that kind of receptive, open awareness that can hold everything in it. But in order to learn that capacity to be, have this balanced, calm, clear awareness that can take in everything, uh, in this five-week course, uh, we build over five weeks the different elements of, of life, especially four big, uh, big ones. For meditation, the first week, last week, the emphasis was using um, mindfulness of breathing. The breathing is kind of central to many spiritual traditions. It's a great way of developing uh, calm, stability, clarity, strengthening the mindfulness. And so, um, and the breathing is always in the present moment. And so if you're connected to your attention to your breathing, you're in the present and you're training yourself to be in the present. Today, we're gonna talk about mindfulness of the body. So that's a, a little bigger domain of who we are. And then next week is gonna be mindfulness of emotions. And then next following week will be mindfulness of thinking. So these are different areas of human life which are very important for human beings and learn how to be mindful for each of those. And, and then last, time, last week we're going to talk about a variety of things and one is mindfulness of um, bringing this into daily life, how to, to all our life experiences and also how to um, go deeper into, the, into it through um, uh, kind of a stronger concentration yoking mindfulness with concentration. So that's kind of the very brief overview. And uh, last week I talked a little bit about meditation posture and about working with the breathing. And I'll review that a little bit here. And then we'll talk about uh, mindfulness of the body. So any one more question anybody like to ask? Everyone's... No questions from last week and from their meditation. Those of you who meditated was all crystal clear and 
you knew what you were doing. And okay. So, um, so the kind of awareness that we're using for to develop mindfulness is an awareness which uh, is uncomplicated. It's not complicated with uh, judgments, with being for or against our experience. An awareness which uh, is not entangled with commentary, stories, discursive thought. Um, It's an awareness which is able to stay rooted or grounded in the present moment so we can track what's going on in the present moment. Um, very common human beings are wandering off into thought and uh, if we wander off into discursive, discursive thinking enough um, we can actually lose touch with ourselves with the reality around us and we're not really paying attention and you can see that sometimes in meditation because you're there to sit and be present and after 5-10 minutes you realize you've been daydreaming for a long time so you come back it can happen in conversations with people you're having a conversation and they're talking to you and after a while, after, you know, maybe 10 seconds, or hopefully not longer than that, uh, you realize you don't have a clue what they just said because you're, you know, reflecting on something, thinking about something. And, um, or it can happen, you know, in all kinds of uh, walks of life where you're not really present. I, mem- I remember many years ago, I was driving down <clears throat> 280 here, the freeway, and I was supposed to get off at um, Page Mill. And I... I didn't really wake up from my reverie until I came to El Monte. <laughs> and um, so I was, think I was driving safely, but I was still kind of, you know, I wasn't really present, right? So, um, so the idea is to have this awareness which is uh, not laden, not, not burdened or entangled with all this extra stuff which uh, we say clouds the, uh, clouds the eyes, clouds our ability to see what's there. And we don't see accurately. Sometimes we are in the present moment and we are present for something, but we have an overlay of projections and ideas of what that's there. We, we, we project, human beings are tremendous projectors. We have judgments, assumptions, beliefs, biases about people, what's going on. We see people through the, uh, uh, our memory of how they used to be, and, and uh, you know, they've changed and we don't see the change. Um, sometimes maybe it's easier to see for yourself when you see someone you haven't seen for a long time and they treat you as the same person you were before and you say, no, no, I've changed. And, and, um, and so, uh, so we have this tendency to project onto things, our values, our ideas, our expectations, our dreams, our fears, all kinds of things. And so developing this clear awareness that that is not tangled with all these kinds of other ideas and thoughts, um, it's not clouded by it, then we're able to see things directly. And part of the goal in mindfulness is to be present for our experience and to be able to see it directly for what it is. So it's unclouded, unfiltered uh, by all these thoughts and ideas and emotions and all kinds of things that can bias us or color our perception of what is. So I'll tell you a story from, uh, I was teaching a retreat many years ago, very, very many, many years ago, because, and um, I was a new teacher, and, uh, and uh, in our tradition of teaching meditation retreats, we teach together with usually a cohort of teachers, like I think there were five of us teaching the retreat. 
And a couple of them were guys who were um, really devoted football uh, fans. I think the 49ers were winning a lot back then. So um, it was during the retreat, the 49ers were playing a very important game. So the teachers, those two teachers snuck into the TV room at the retreat center and were watching the football game. And I was a young teacher. I followed the senior teachers along and sat there and watched with them. And, and um, you know, watched the game as you people do. And then there was a commercial. And one of the teachers pushed the mute button. And, uh, and then we talked. That seemed like a reasonable thing to do. And these were mindfulness teachers. So at the end of the commercial, the game started again, but the teacher who had the remote did not unmute the football game. And since he's a mindfulness teacher, I kind of figured he you know, could see what was going on. He knew what he was doing. So I thought, well, this is... Uh, so then I took what's a very common mindfulness practice approach. Rather than nudging him, say, hey, you know, I got curious became curious, interested. What is this? This is unusual. Rather than complaining, let's take a look, closer look. What's going on here? So I watched the football game with, um, you know, with a, with a mute on. And I don't, I wasn't, a, you know, that familiar with football, but I knew enough to understand that these guys, they line up and they fall down. And then, and then they line up and one person seems to run around the end and it looks, you're probably happy for him. It looks like he's making it. It looks like his field is clear and going in the right direction, I hope. And, and then, but then on there's this guy, other guy who wears a different color uniform comes along and comes along and, and tackles him. And, oh, that's too bad. He didn't, didn't make it. So, you know, so that was okay. And then, but then my friend hit the, unmuted the TV. And then, the whole, and then it got interesting to see how the experience was different with the sound. And with the sound, I could feel my body get tense, in the, in the, especially in the voice of the commentator, sportscaster, who was like so excited, oh no, he's at the 40s, at the 30s, at the, tw- oh, you know. <laughs> you know, and I could feel myself kind of like leaning forward and the energy was going up in me and, and um, you know, it was a whole different experience to watch it with the sound on. I kind of knew what was going on with the sound, so we have a commentator in ourselves. And that commentator, we're making commentary all the time, most of us. And that commentary has a big impact on us. It arouses us. It's not, not working. It's going in and out. Um, so now it's okay. Maybe it's too far from the mouth. Let's see if it works better. So we have commentators in our minds. And uh, we're commentating on our experience and people and what's going on. If you sit and meditate, you might feel the commentator commentating about work today and we're not really here. Or you might be present and attending to your breath, but you're making commentary about your breath. Oh, that's a shallow, fast breath. I'm in California, post-Eslin, New Age California, and that's not the kind of breath you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have a deep, relaxed breath and here I have a shallow breath. I hope no one's noticing. And <laughs> I wonder if I should do something else and take up dancing and, you know, and, and the mind goes off, right? And, 
and then, uh, you know, you takes a while, and, oh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be meditating. And then you come back and breath. And so you got tripped up by the commentary, and it carried us away. Or uh, there's a sound, someone comes in late and slams the door, which is kind of unpleasant to have a slamming door, but the commentary takes over. Why do they have these noisy doors here? They should lock the doors once we're here, and people shouldn't be allowed to come in late. I'm going to write a, pr- a letter to the president of IMC and uh, really tell them you know, how they should have a meditation center. They don't seem to understand. <laughs> and uh, they don't understand about how meditation is and how to be present and how you should be with your breath and be... Pre- <laughs> you know, you're, you're not present either by off writing a letter to the president. So there's a commentary, right, that goes on about the present moment or what's going on. And um, so w- some of us are quite skilled, makes strong habit of being in the commentary, either with words or images, and it pulls us away and keeps us separate from our experience. So one of the first tasks of meditation is learn to distinguish between the direct experience and the commentary, or the discussion about it. So the train signal, train whistle just went, there it goes. Hear the train whistle. Just a whistle. Versus, was that the northbound or the southbound? <laughs> and if I take the southbound, how far can I go? And, and, and. So, so off you go, you know, you're on the train, you know, in your mind, you know, going down. So to be able to recognize what the direct experience is and how we get on the train, or whatever the thought train is, and wander off. Or how we are seeing the experience through the filter of this commentary rather than seeing it directly. So the, you know, having a shallow, fast breath is not a problem for mindfulness meditation whatsoever. So what we would do in mindfulness meditation is we would just uh, be present, recognizing in a matter-of-fact way, non-judgmental way, shallow and fast breathing. That's what's happening. And we wouldn't get involved in the commentary. Or if you did, we would see it as commentary and then come back and just be content that you're becoming the world-class expert at a shallow and fast breath, getting to know it. No problem. Does that make sense? So uh, I, I mention all this as an introduction to the topic of mindfulness of the body. Because uh, many people have a lot of commentary about their body. Um, And sometimes when you drop into your body and start feeling it, then the commentary gets aroused um, in many different kinds of ways. And, um, and And the body itself tends to have a lot fewer problems than the mind thinks it has. I remember when I was uh, a young kid, I have kind of a high forehead, and I was very concerned that I was going bald. And uh, I was sitting in uh, middle school, measuring my forehead (laughs) to make sure that it wasn't, you know, know, how I looked was, you know, so important. And, uh, you know, kind of caught up in it. And and I'm sure you were teenagers and probably didn't think much about your looks. But, but, you know, I was like, also back then, then, uh, you know, it was kind of the hippie times and so I would sit in class pulling my hair to make it go, get longer, faster. <laughs> and um, so, um, 
so anyway, our body, and then we have fears around our body that produces commentary. We have desires about our body. Uh, it turns out that um, if we can drop down and just feel the body for what it is by itself without the commentary, the body tends to be uh, much more at ease or content than we can be if we're up in the head and the ideas and the dreams and expectations and disappointments that might be there, the judgments. And so it's very powerful to be able to feel, experience, have the direct experience without the filter of all the ideas we have and stories and everything. And it's one of the reasons why it can start to be very relaxing to meditate, because we free ourselves from all this stuff that's extra, that's not needed to rest at ease in our direct experience. Okay? Hopefully that makes some sense. So what we're going to do is start with a meditation now. And in the course of the meditation, I'll introduce some of the basic things we did last week. And there's some point in it with the breathing. But also introduce to you uh, mindfulness of the body and how we do that. So you've been sitting now for 20 minutes and so you're maybe not used to meditating. So if, if you'd like to stretch for a minute so that you're kind of your legs are refreshed, you're welcome to do that. So, <clears throat> so the idea in meditation is, if you can, is to take a posture that expresses some alertness. So usually you do have your torso, where you sit up, maybe the spine is a little bit more alert feeling than you normally, you normally have it. So sitting up a little bit straight. And, but also to take time to sit in a posture that allows you to be at ease somewhat, to be relaxed, to relax in. So somehow the balance between being alert and being relaxed. If you're too alert, you might get agitated. If you're too relaxed, you might fall, as- fall asleep, especially this time of day. So, um, so taking a posture <clears throat> that allows you to be both physically alert and relaxed Gently close your eyes. And take a moment to just feel your body the way it is right now. The sensations of your body. Being aware of not so much what you think is going on but noticing what the body's experience is of itself. And then as a way of getting established for meditation, 
can be helpful if from within your body you take a few long, slow, deep breaths. And in those deep in-breaths, you can feel your rib cage expand, your shoulders rise. It's a way of establishing a connection to your body, noticing it. As, and, when, and taking a long in-breath, then as you exhale, let a long exhale as you relax and settle in. Breathing in deeply and then settle into your body as you exhale. And then let your breathing return to normal for the purposes of mindfulness meditation. We allow ourselves to have a natural breathing. It's not, not, not a time for yogic breathing. And also as a way of getting established here, you might scan through your body to see if there's any easy muscles groups that you can relax. So maybe it's possible to relax the muscles around your face, your jaw. Maybe as you exhale, you can relax your shoulders. And it can be helpful to soften the belly. And if it stays soft, great. If it doesn't, it's okay. Soft belly where the belly hangs forward and down. And then notice where in your body your breathing, experience of breathing is most pronounced. The physical sensations connected to breathing, maybe of the chest as it lifts and falls. Maybe is the belly as it expands and contracts. Maybe the air going in and out through the nostrils. And wherever the breathing is most pronounced, let that be the home for your awareness the anchor in the present moment for
or awareness. And for a few minutes here, in the silence, see if you can stay with your breathing without any commentary, just being aware of breathing. And if the mind wanders off in thought and you notice that, (coughs) then without any commentary, just begin again with your breathing. Come back, come back to your breathing as often as you can. There's no need to become disappointed if your mind wanders off. Disappointment is just more commentary. Keep it simple and just begin again with your breathing. Come back to breathing and feel the rhythm of breathing in and breathing out. Perhaps every time you exhale, 
you can remember to let go of the thoughts that have crept in. So you can feel breathing more clearly. And then to introduce to you mindfulness of the body, I'll guide you in a little exercise. So bring your awareness to your right hand and feel the sensations of your right hand. sensations in the palm of the hand, the back of the hand, the fingers, perhaps you feel vibrations, throbbing, warmth or coolness. Weight, pressure. The contact of your hand against some other part of your body. And as you keep your awareness in your right hand, Notice how many different sensations stand out. And the the sensations themselves make up our experience of hand, but in a sense, hand is just an idea, commentary, a label for the sensations we feel with the eyes closed. And now switch your attention to your left hand and let your left hand become alive with sensations. Feel what's there. The three-dimensional quality of the hand kaleidoscope display of pressure, weight, heaviness, softness, hardness, vibration, throbbing.
then chances are that by directing your attention to that part of your body, you feel much more sensations than if you'd ignored your hand. Kind of comes alive with So now, bring your attention to that part of your body where breathing is most pronounced. In the same way that you felt your hands, feel that area, the general area where you experience breathing. Both the sensations connected to breathing, but also other, anything else there. And feel them. Feel the sensations in that part of your body. Feeling how the sensations shift and change with the in-breath and the out-breath. And perhaps you can notice that you can feel the sensations better if you have a silent mind, like you're listening to a sound far in the distance. You let your mind get really quiet so you can hear. For a few moments, let your mind get quiet from thoughts and ideas, to just so you can just feel the sensations in the area where you do breathing. awareness to the strongest sensation in your body. It doesn't have to be particularly strong, but whatever qualifies as the strongest sensation, bring your attention to that part of the body in the same way as you felt your right hand. Feel those sensations in that area that have the strongest. Seeing for a few moments if you can do so without judgment, commentary, without any reaction, as if those sensations are allowed to be there and your job is just to feel what's happening in that part of the body, quietly. And then finally, bring your awareness back to your breathing. And gently let yourself 
experience the sensations of breathing, the body breathing. And every time you exhale, remembering to let go of your thoughts so you can be more directly aware of the body breathing. And then to end this sitting, take a few long, slow, deep breaths and feel your body again. Feel the contact body against chair and floor. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. practice of mindfulness comes from, originally the way we teach it here is, comes from Buddhism. And the word, ancient Indian word for, that translates as mindfulness is a word called sati. And there's nothing about the mind in the word. Uh, but we've come, over time we've adopted the word mindfulness to translate it. And I wish they had chosen bodyfulness because the body is one of the, it's like the temple of mindfulness practice. It's like the, 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 the domain or the place where mindfulness really unfolds. Uh, if you go and study uh, monasteries, Buddhist monasteries in Asia, you see that over and over again, the emphasis is kind of be in your body, be embodied. And you don't get that sense from some Buddhist books uh, in English, Introduction to Buddhism books. It's almost like the body doesn't exist because there's all these ideas and concepts and all that that's taught. But to be in your body, your body's always in the present moment. Where else is it gonna be? It's always here and now with you. Your mind can be anywhere 
that can go off in its, in its thoughts into the past, into the future, other places, other times. And one of the ideals is, to, and when we tend to work better, the whole system works better, if our mind and body is in the same place at the same time. And generally we don't t- move our body to where our mind is. That's a lot of work. Um, and some of it's impossible. And, um, but so the task is to bring the, bo- the mind to the body, to where the place where the body is. So this idea of being in the here and now is not just a good idea in itself, but it's also a wonderful way of harmonizing the body and the mind so they can be working together. And, um, and the body and mind working together, uh, there's so much more intelligence, creativity, so much more information that we can live with um, that people tend to live much more wise lives when these two are working together. So before I talk a little bit more about the, uh, the practice of mindfulness of the body, I'd like to hear from a few of you what that was like to do that meditation. What was your experience like? And, and you're welcome to say anything at all. It's nice to get a range. But you can use the mic so everyone can hear. That'd be helpful with, with the green light on the button. It was surprising, actually, because I didn't know uh, that some of the sensations existed. You didn't know some of the sensations existed? Until, you know, you asked us to uh-huh. notice them. And what, what was it like when you noticed they existed? I, I just found I went really deep as a result of that. Mm. So deep means your mind got quiet? Yeah, still, really and, quiet. Uh, you got kind of absorbed in those sensations, kind of? Or? Yeah, I, I mean, I found it really surprising what happened. Uh-huh. Nice. I don't have any other words. Uh-huh. So the power of real careful attention... And you kind of, you kind of bypassed probably the discursive mind, right? The commentary in order to just be there in the direct experience. Yeah. Yeah. And the commentary kept coming back. But you noticed it. Yeah, I did. And when you noticed it, what did you do? Nothing. I just let it go and came back to the sensation. Great. Let it go. Thank you. Someone else? Here, up to, to your left. So it was very relaxing. So uh-huh. when you actually told to um, notice the sensation, but then later in the while I am noticing, I noticed that there is a kind of very strong sensation on my eyes, uh-huh. and which actually dominated later uh-huh. the my uh, mindfulness uh-huh. and the later part. But initially it was kind of very relaxing, soothing, and uh-huh. I felt very calm uh-huh. inside, uh-huh. much more calmer than only doing the breath uh-huh. uh, but later on that strong sensation over dominated great that could, that could that happen sometimes we'll talk more about that later thank okay. you S- someone else <clears throat> in uh, bringing my awareness to a specific part of the body I noticed um, my tendency to want to fix a little, a little bit louder please uh, I tend to want to fix uh, like the posture or, or so for example when I brought my awareness to my right hand I noticed it started to um, it was all tense so mm. I thought I should release it and 
Same thing for the belly, which is not at all contracted. So, yeah, that's... Very good. So guess, if, yeah. if you stay in your head or stay dis, uh, you know, distracted, uh, you won't notice what the body's doing. But if you notice and you really feel it, uh, so if, there's, if it's tense, then it's usually pretty automatic or natural to feel, relax it. And, and um, so one of the reasons why meditation can be very relaxing is we tend to start noticing how we hold tension and we can begin softening and relaxing around it. Anybody else? Anybody else surprised by what happened up there? And if you can move. <clears throat> yeah, straight back. What I found interesting, can you hear? Yeah. Yeah. What I found interesting that um, the focusing on the body sensation. Could you turn it up a little louder? Um, was easier um, when I did it in relation to something else. Like if I just focused on my hand, I almost felt an urge to move it a little bit or press on something because it felt like such a neutral sensation that I could only make it out more when it was like when it pushed against sure. something or. Sure. So we get more sensations when you active, activate it a little bit. Right. However, there's a. As, as the mind gets more sensitive and more capable of kind of really resting in the hand, it comes up, it come, it's, it's eventually it'll burst with sensations. There's a lot of things going on there. But if it's kind of foreign, we're not used to it, it can seem very neutral at first. So anyway. Um, I found myself like slowly going through different parts of my body and noticing where I was tense. And I got to a point where I was relaxing them so much that I just kept falling asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep a lot of times tonight, to be honest, because I just, yeah, I think I just, as I released that tension, I just got into a position where I felt really, really comfortable. And so... Were you, were you, was your posture beginning to slump? Not really. That's actually what would kind of bring me back is I have back pain, and then I would start to kind of feel that a little uh-huh. bit and correct my posture. But then I would kind of go check in with my body again and release the tension where I found it. and yeah, it's, not, it's not unusual for people to get sleepy when they meditate, when they begin to relax. <clears throat> Partly because a lot of people are, um, are um, um, kept pumped up by their desires, their wants, their fears, their anxiety, their tension. And, uh, and the really underlying all that is a lot of tiredness. So I think I said last week, Americans need sleep more than they need meditation sleep deprived culture so it catches up to us when we meditate sometimes and so sometimes you you know uh, you know you're not supposed to sleep when you meditate but um, it's um, hopefully refreshing <laughs> okay maybe, maybe one more or do you, go, go ahead okay um i think you're doing emotion next week yes. but i was wondering if you had any I, I guess I'm I'm pretty familiar with how to deal with the think the commentator. I'm yeah. on board with what you're saying. Okay, commentator, uh-huh. you know. And uh, but the emotions, like if something earlier has happened in the day, or because I'm able to just relax, uh-huh. and then something 
becomes, you know, comes up that yes. maybe I was not aware I was shoving down because yes. of my day-to-day. -day. What do you suggest to do with that? Because I'm not so sure if I'm supposed to push the emotion away because maybe it needs to surface. Exactly. You yeah, know, so it's also another benefit of not having this commentary going all the time and beginning to relax is some of the deeper uh, currents of our life begin to show themselves. And sometimes there's a backlog of all this unresolved feelings, emotions that really need their time in the sun, in the awareness, so they come up. And um, no, a repression is probably not a good idea, though occasionally it's strategic if it's, you know, you know if you're furious at your boss and you're just, you're just holding on to your job by a thread, it might be good to repress your anger, you know, if you want to keep your job. But generally, it's not good to do that. That's part of the advantage of meditation. It's meant to be a very safe place uh, where it's safe to let whatever wants to surface to bubble up. And without any judgments or without permission, with permission, with, um, uh, without condemnation, without favoritism, just let it be there to see what happens. And we'll talk more about that next week. In the meantime, if you're a little bit precocious and already doing the emotions, <laughs> then um, um, there's a couple of things you can think about this next week. One is feel the emotions in your body. Like how, how do you? Where is it in your body that it's the, the sensations of the emotions exist? And then do this body meditation, body mindfulness there. And that's maybe enough. And the second is be be very attentive to what commentary you have about the emotion. And generally, people get in trouble around emotions, not because of the emotions themselves, but by their commentary, their ideas, their judgments about it, their what should or shouldn't happen, and what's right and wrong. And so if you can separate the commentary from the emotion, life gets a lot easier. Okay? Okay, so... Um, so in that meditation, uh, we started with the breathing, then we did a little exercise with the hands, and then we came back to the breathing, and you uh, and feel the, wherever you feel the breathing most pronounced, feel that area like the way you felt your hand. When you did that, what happened to the sensations? How, how did that compare with being with the breath the first time? Anybody notice a difference or it came, was the same? Or did the sensations become a little bit more richer the second time? More richer? Okay. So, so by entering into it and really taking time to feel it, it's not just a mechanical experience of breathing, but it's to feel the experience itself more fully. So to, to be there with the breathing is the heart of the meditation we're teaching here. It's like the center of gravity. If nothing else is going on, that's what we're trying to do. Stay with the breath, come back to the breathing. However, for this week, we're going to expand outwards. If some body sensations, some part of your body, uh, has stronger sensations than your breathing, some other parts of your body is more compelling because it's calling on you, it's, whether it's really pleasant sensation or unpleasant sensation, then the practice is to let go of focusing on the breathing and bring your attention into that place where the more compelling sensations are, just like you did for the hand. And just really feel what's going on there. Because what we're trying to do here is to be present for our life as it comes to us. 
And so the stronger sensation is the stronger life that's coming to us. If you just stayed with your breath, with breathing, and a stronger sensation is happening, you probably set up a tension between this other thing wants your attention and you're trying to stay with the breath. And that tension is unnecessary. Just let go of the breathing and bring your attention and place it in that part of your body where this more compelling sensation is. And then do mindfulness of the body there. Just feel it, be with it, sense it, experience it as it is. Uh, Being careful not to have any commentary. Or if you do have commentary, see the commentary as something separate, distinct. Like when there's uncomfortable sensations, um, it can be hard to be with. It's harder to be with if we have a story we're telling ourselves about it. I have an ache in my knee. It's an ache in the knee. But then I think, you know, I wonder if I have gangrene. <laughs> and will the doctor have to, you know, how, how high up do they going to cut off my leg? <laughs> you know, oh no, not again, gangrene, losing another leg. This is, you know, how am I going to live my life? And, you know, and so then I get all tense. And then if I get tense, I, my muscles tighten around the knee. And guess what happens then? It hurts more. So the idea is to kind of try to keep the commentary from getting entangled with it and just be with it simply as it is. And then to feel it carefully. And one of the interesting things about feeling and sensing carefully uh, is that uh, many, many times when we experience something, we experience it through the filter of an idea, of a concept that has a bias to it. So, for example, if I have an unpleasant sensation in my knee, it aches. So, if I really feel it, sense it, I feel uh, hardness, pulling, uh, tightening, sensations like that that are kind of intense. If I say, say to myself, oh, there's pain, let me feel the pain, the word pain is actually an abstraction that covers intense sensations of many different types. And so we want to stop, drop the, the word pain and feel directly, oh, that's pulling, that's burning, that's tight, that's pressure, that's intense. And many people find that when they drop the label pain, because it's such a biased word, like, so frightening, pain, you know. It's almost as bad as saying I have gangrene. And, uh, then, um, you know, it tends to kind of make the whole experience more difficult, maybe even more painful. But it's kind of like you're dropping underneath the concept that we use to experience it directly. And it's not uncommon for people to find that it's not so bad. And not only is it not so bad, but it begins to kind of move a little bit. It's more fluid. We tend to hold things in place if we have a concept for it. But if we don't have a concept for it and feel it instead, it tends to loosen it up and it kind of begins to flow a little bit more. A friend of mine was teaching uh, mindfulness for people who have uh, chronic health conditions many years ago. And um, this retired, strong, I guess, tough, retired police officer who had excruciating back pain came because they say that mindfulness is supposed to help with dealing with back pain. And, um, and he was told to feel his, that part of the body, 
where the back pain was, and he got really angry. I'm here not to feel my pain. I'm here to get away from it, to stop it. And this is counterintuitive to feel it. In the mindfulness practice, within reason, you don't want to damage yourself, but you want to bring your attention to the strong sensations and explore how to be there with it in a relaxed way, without commentary. Just let it be there, let it come alive and show itself, with, let it be fluid and move. And not always, but many people find it's a lot easier that way. It also helps the mind to learn how to be quiet with an experience that's difficult rather than getting agitated. Just let's be there with it. Let's just be, it's okay. And the same thing is true for very pleasant sensations. And when people meditate and really get into it, sometimes it can be very pleasant sensations that arise. And then some people will lean into them and want to hold on to them. This is great. I'm America's gift to Buddhism. You know, <laughs> this will be great. And, you know, and I hope they give badges here at IMC for best meditator. And I'll, you know, go to work and show my people how great I am. And it's like all this joy. And, you know, we get in, that's commentary, right? We're like, we're lost in this whole world. So if there's pleasure and that's predominant, you're allowed to feel it when you meditate mindfully. But just feel it. Don't have to add anything to complications. Just feel it and let it be there and let that become fluid and without a story. So, we stay with the breathing until there's something else more compelling and then we leave the, bil- the, the breathing and let the attention into that part of the body. You stay there as long as it feels that like it needs to be acknowledged. Sometimes it's enough to acknowledge something, recognize it a little bit, and then it kind of stops being so compelling and it's easy enough to go back to your breathing. Sometimes it stays compelling and then what we do is we just stay and be present for it, explore it, feel it, be with it until it fades away or disappears or shifts into something else. And then you can go back to your breathing. And there's no time limit in how long you can meditate on some sensation in your body. It's just, it's a very good object of meditation that keeps you in the present moment. Staying with it in the present moment. You get to understand what goes on in your mind and you learn how to kind of be simpler and just be present in an equanimous way. Um, Because the mind has such a strong tendency to wander off, uh, there's a technique we call mental noting. And the mental noting is use a little note in your mind It's a soft little whisper in your mind, the back of the mind, that kind of says, basically saying, stay there. (laughs) Stay connected. So if I'm feeling the ache in my knee, I might just say knee. Knee. And that's encouraging me, stay there in the knee. Just experience it there. Because it's like using a very simple thought to stay present. Because if I don't engage my thinking at all, an idle mind will get in trouble. Idle mind will get caught, you know, swept up in thoughts, and you know, pretty soon I'm having gangrene and going to the doctor. Um, and so the idea is to stay. So just knee, knee. Or if I feel really hot, hot, hot. Just feel the hot. Just very simple. The word should be very simple to encourage a simple awareness. Just be there, hot, and feel that. Feel that. And uh, at, uh, 
a test question they give you in Zen. They say to you, um, <clears throat> what do you do when it's really hot? Like in the summer when it's really hot. What do you do when it's really hot? And the right answer is, when, hot, when it's hot, be hot. And but, uh, you know, so just be, be present for it, feel it without commentary, without judgment. Just let it be, be present for it. Um, now, some sensations in the body can be intense enough to be difficult to be with and pain. You're welcome at a moment's notice to change your posture. There's no requirement to tough it out with strong, painful sensations. However, we do suggest that you don't change at the first possible indication. That's because then you miss an opportunity to kind of practice mindfulness there, to explore that, to understand yourself, what goes on, what your reactions are. And so uh, you might want to just kind of hang in there for just a minute, see what the, for just a few seconds, see what that's like. But if you feel like it's too much, then change your posture. But over time, uh, if you keep doing this, you probably find that a lot of things that were or seemed in the past to be just too difficult, I can't do this, become easier and easier to be with. Oh, it's not a problem. It's just un- just uncomfortable. But I can know how to do that in a peaceful, quiet way, and I don't get all reactive and afraid and all that. Just Just be with it. The goal in Buddhism ultimate goal is, is uh, one of the goals is freedom. Spiritual, mental freedom in the midst of our life. And um, if you're free only when things are pleasant, you're not really free. To be free, you have to know how to be free when things are unpleasant as well. And so part of mindfulness practice is learning how to be mindful of unpleasant situations so we can keep calm, relaxed, open, present in all circumstances, not just when things are nice for us. So when things are unpleasant meditating physically, um, don't automatically, you know, change your posture. You know, you might want to hang in a little bit, see what you can learn. But whenever you, there's no requirement to do so. So just, and and the official rest posture, if you're sitting this way, is just put your, put your legs up like this and go like this. You know, to whatever whatever you need to do, but this is one next way. So, what do you think of all that? Do you have any questions about that or comments you'd like to make? Yes. And so it's on the stage there, probably. <clears throat> so the one question I had was: um, you did the mindfulness with the hands. Should we be doing it with um, all of our? body or different parts or is there a reason to do just hands? So there are different ways of doing this kind of meditation. There is one technique called the body sweep or the body scan that some people do. And that's where you systematically do the same thing with the hand, but you do it systematically from the top of your head, through the head, the neck, the shoulders, the arms, the torso, the legs. You just do everything systematically and you cycle through a number of times. It's very concentrating for some people. In our school of Buddhism here, we don't do that very often. Occasionally we do it. Um, But rather, it's more random. Uh, We start with the breath, and then uh, we only go to some other place in the body when it calls on us. And and over time, like over months or something, 
you probably bring attention to many different areas of your body, but it's when it's not on your it's not on your um, schedule. It's on its schedule. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like there's a there's a mandala or a spider's web, and we're sitting in the middle of the web, which is the breathing, and then if something happens elsewhere in the web, we go take care of it. We, and then, we, and then when it's taken care of, we come back to the center, the breathing again. And then something else happens in the web, we take care of it. And if we're, I guess if we're a spider, we eat it. But, <laughs> but you know, we you know we just practice mindfulness. Or, you know, Buddhism's into nonviolence. Does <laughs> that does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. Other questions or comments? So it feels, um, and it sounds um, a little more active than I've thought about meditation at times, right? Of um, uh, almost seeking to feel so that you can then pay attention to it and be aware of it. Um, So, and maybe we'll be talking about this. So the second part of the question is, I guess, um, is... Is this a is this a practice that we might do, which would focus exclusively on the body, or is it just one of the many things that we would eventually pay attention to in whatever random order our emotions, our thoughts, our body, right, etc.? Right. Yes. So the answer the second half first. <clears throat> uh, some people find it very helpful for a long time, like for a year, just do mindfulness of the body. It's really kind of creates a good foundation. Um, but uh, what, we're, what you're going to learn here from me is using the breath and meditation as a center and then be able to bring attention to whatever is compelling in any domain. So next week it's emotions, then it's the world, the cognitive world of thoughts and so forth. And um, so the idea is everything, any, any human experience that we have, we can bring awareness to. And so, and the principle for, in meditation for what to bring awareness to is that um, it's compelling or most pre- predominant. And it, we're not really seeking. Seeking means we're searching. Uh, it finds us. And then if it's compelling, it means it's kind of like it wants attention. It's actually more active to avoid it than it is to, you know. And so the idea is to kind of just go with the flow, go downhill towards this, where the sensation is strong and feel it and be with it. And yeah, it's not supposed to be so active. And then when you're there, there is a kind of investigation feeling it, but you want to be careful you're not too active in the mind, like you're trying too much, it's a project and a technique. It's more, more like you're resting in the experience. You know. Right behind you there. Thank you. So um, commentaries are thoughts. Yes. Is that right? Um, and naming things like pain or tension or is also thought. It, yes, it's a thought. Yes. Or emotions. I'm sad. Or yes. So so. If I, so I'm, I'm um, just a little confused of if I'm letting myself feel my emotions or my 
then I'm letting myself think about things. Uh-huh. And, you know, I like that. I can sit and yeah, good meditate question. all day. There's different kinds of thinking that goes on. And there's uh, discursive thinking where we're having a conversation or we're having commentary or explaining something or trying to analyze something. And that's a higher order kind of thinking that can be abstract. And sometimes it's useful and sometimes it gets us in trouble. And... Um, and then there's a, the kind of thoughts which are really simple thoughts of recognition. So, uh, you know, I pick up this glass, I recognize the glass. That's an almost primitive kind of thinking, as opposed to, wow, this is a clear glass, it looks like it's cut like diamond here, I wonder if I could get a real diamond glass, and, but, you know, I don't make enough money for diamonds, diamonds, and that's, wow, you know, I always choosing the wrong line of profession and, you know, why am I doing this? And I should have gone to business school. And, and, and so, that, so we, off we go running in commentary, right? Or in discursive thinking. Um, so the, um, so, so uh, some people find it helpful. It's not required in meditation. But some people find it helpful um, if they have a strong tendency to wander off into this discursive thinking. Um, to, to give the mind something to do, a very primitive thought, this very basic recognition thought, and just say ache, or hearing, or pressure, as a way of encourage. Just stay there very simple and don't get involved in more complicated thinking. Does that answer your question? Yes, I, mean, I, I think next week when we talk about emotion. Next week when we talk about emotion. It's going to be much harder because it's just so much easier to go with that than yes. just... Yes, yes, for sure. And um, so it is, this is called a practice. And so don't worry about getting it right. <laughs> I, I tried to say last week, you can't do this wrong. Uh, so just, you know, it's a practice that you grow. And one of the ways that you grow in this practice is you learn about yourself. And you see how all the kind of patterns and processes that you have and as you see it more and more clearly, there's more wisdom and more freedom. So, you know, as long as you're seeing what's going on, it's great. There's no problem. So even if you feel like you can't stay with even half a breath, you still might be learning a lot about yourself. And over time, it's a practice of self-understanding, how to be with that, and you'll probably find your way. Um, now, some people find these little primitive mental notes to be helpful. Some people find it helpful sometimes and not other times. Sometimes it's just too active. It keeps the mind kind of... They don't need to. You just can stay more quiet with the experience. So it's just a little technique. So one more, and then I'd like to say some more. Just kind of to stay with this subject... um, When, how how can you recognize when mental noting is helpful to stay with the breath and when when is it getting in between the direct uh-huh. experience uh-huh. for me I think if it yeah. stimulates thinking and you you feel like you're getting too active too much energy in the head it's too much or if, or if it becomes mechanical and you're saying these words and just like saying words like a mantra uh, 
Or if you feel that you're saying the words and what you, and like 90% of your mental energy goes to saying the, the, the note and you're hardly feel, feeling the hand. So you're saying hand, hand, but you're like hand, hand, and <laughs> you know, like where's that hand? <laughs> the idea is 95% of what you're doing is feeling the hand and 5% is this little thought that says quietly, hand. So you can you can you can you can learn to identify the difference between hand <laughs> versus hand, and just where well, you're still feeling it. Make sense? Yes, thank okay. you. Great. Okay, so the idea is to be with your breathing until something else is more compelling. There's one compelling thing that uh, is interesting to pay attention to, which we we talk about with, together with the body, a sensory world, and that is sounds, listening, sound meditation. A, a few people, for whatever reason, they had asthma as a child or some kind of trauma, they almost drowned or something, uh, find it hard to do breath meditation. And so they find that sometimes that doing listening meditation works a lot better as their anchor, as the primary place, as the center of the spider web. And so they would just hear sounds, whatever sounds there are, and stay in the present with the sounds, come back, let go of thoughts, come back to hearing. And then if there's a strong body sensation, let go of sounds and go to the body sensation. It's the same thing. For people who do stay with the breathing as a primary object, uh, the neighbor's dog might start barking and barking, or barking. So one strategy with a, with a dog barking is to get angry at your neighbor for one more time having that barking dog, and why isn't the homeowner association doing something, and I'm gonna write a letter, and And you've been down that route before, and it's not a very productive and useful way of meditating. The other way is to um, is to just turn towards the sound as a completely legitimate meditation subject and just do listening meditation and hear the sound barking, barking, just let it come and notice if there's commentary, notice if there's a reaction and see if you can just feel the sound, sense the sound as sound. And and just uh, the sound is in the present moment, it's helping you stay in the present moment. You can actually get very calm, very centered listening to a sound, even an unpleasant sound. So this is an example where you're staying with the breath, something else happens that's really compelling, and rather than fighting with it, or resisting it, and holding on to your med- my, my, my precious meditation, someone's bothering it, someone's bothering my meditation, we're, we make the problem the meditation. And then it's not a problem. Does understand this idea? Okay, so I wanted to do that with you. We have just a few minutes. So why don't you take a meditation posture? And um, in a few minutes I'll direct you to pay attention to sounds. And it's possible that while I'm doing this, I'm going to ring this bell. 
a few times. And uh, so when you hear it, it doesn't mean the meditation's over until I tell you. <laughs> so, um, so gently close your eyes. And maybe take some deep, gentle breaths. And as you exhale, relax into your body. And then let your breathing return to normal. Just for maybe a minute or so, just kind of feel your body breathing. The place in your body where you breathe. attention to center of your head and space between your ears and feel whatever sensation is in that part of your body and there might be no sensation that's okay just take a few moments to feel the absence of sensation then between your ears behind your forehead And then as you exhale, see if you can relax the brain, as if it's a muscle. Letting go of your thoughts. And in that space, allow yourself to hear the sounds around you. sound of my voice, sound of the traffic, Letting go of your thoughts. And feel, almost like you're feeling the impact of sounds. If you find yourself trying really hard to listen, see if you can relax the trying and just stay open to receive sounds. 
letting go of your thoughts to allow yourself to hear sounds as they come and go. Return to your breathing. Perhaps being receptive to the sensations associated with breathing. sitting, you can take a few deep breaths, feel your body, feel the contact with the chair and the floor, and then to end this sitting, you can open your eyes and I'll ring the ending bell. Did some of you find that interesting to do hearing meditation? A few of you. So that's, um, so the basic idea is to stay with your breathing for this, for this week. Stay with your breathing. If some compelling sensation in your body shows itself, bring attention to it. Be mindful of it. When you no, no, no longer feel it needs attention, you can come back to your breathing. If it's a sound that's compelling, let go of the breathing and attend to the sound in this receptive way. And when it no longer needs attention, come back to your breathing. There is a little uh, emphasis here to stay with the breathing more than anything else. Like that's the default, come back here. The breathing is a great place for most people to kind of develop stability, concentration, develop the mindfulness to be in the present moment. But if the breathing doesn't work for you for the variety of reasons, this hearing meditation can be your, the center of your web. That's a perfectly good one. Okay, so uh, there is a handout, a green handout that has a little bit of review about this kind of this instruction and also some uh, exercises you might want to do during the week, um, mindfulness of the body exercises. So you can pick one up if you want. And uh, also, um, uh, uh, I have a book called The Issue at Hand, which uh, is essays I've written about mindfulness practice, and some of this is about what we're doing here. Uh, And um, 
it, we give it away for free here. It's available uh, on the counter as you leave, and you're welcome to take it if you like to read and learn more about this. And otherwise, um, I think anything else. Oh, so we have a few people here who uh, have taught this intro class and are senior practitioners here at IMC. And um, if you'd like to ask them questions at, uh, about your anything at all, about being here or the practice or my instructions, or uh, you can talk to them. So I'm going to get to Tom is over there. He's then Tom is one, and Bruni is here. Don't stand. So. And uh, Hillary also stand, and, and Kate is the manager. She also is a good person to ask questions to, and and uh, you can even ask Alfonso. I bet I'd be curious what he has to say. <laughs> He's been around for a while, and um, so and I'm here too. So if you want to ask me, so um, so thank you all, and I hope that you enjoy your body for this next week. It's. It's a week well spent getting familiarized with your body, just getting to recognize it, see where it's at, just standing in line. Um, whatever you're doing, kind of just, what's going on in my body right now? How is it? Just, it's a lot of benefit to getting familiar with your body. So I hope that you enjoy your body this week. Thank you.